0: Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 25. We'll read from verse 25 down to verse 27. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 25 to 27. Verse 25 reads, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all Unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let's bow for prayer. O God in heaven, please teach us from your word this morning. Thank you for the time that we've had thus far together. Thank you for the Sunday school ministry. We continue to pray for your blessing upon each of our children. We pray that each one will grow wise under salvation and grow in your grace. And in your knowledge, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. Jesus Christ is central to Christmas. I'd like to think that we understand that. He should be central within our lives. And Christmas is a wonderful opportunity for you and I to be reminded of the fact that Christ is at the centre of Christmas and therefore he needs to be the centre of your life and my life. Here in Luke chapter 24 the Lord Jesus confirms that he is central to all the scriptures. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded under them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus Christ is central the Scriptures. The theme of His redemption, His plan of redemption unfolds from Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. And it's no surprise that the first mention of a coming Saviour speaks of a Saviour and His suffering. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, we have the first glimpse of a promised Messiah, Savior and note there in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head that's in reference to Satan's defeat when the Lord Jesus died on the cross he conquered Satan and therefore we can have forgiveness of sin and therefore we can resist the devil and he will flee from us but it came at a price The second part of verse 15 reads, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Bruise his heel. That's in reference to in the uh, bruising of Satan's head or the defeat of Satan, it would come at a price that our Lord would be bruised. And certainly the Lord Jesus was bruised for our iniquities, the Bible teaches us. So, in our Lord's defeat of Satan, providing salvation for all, it came at a price. And it's of interest to me that there in Luke chapter 24, where the Lord Jesus made reference to the suffering Saviour, and then he went on to say that all the scriptures are in reference to uh, my coming, that we have the first mention of the Messiah's coming to deal with, say, to deal with sin, death, and hell, there is a reference to his suffering. Last week, we began to look at God's unfolding plan of redemption in and through the main periods of time outlined within the Bible, known as dispensations. A dispensation is an age. It's a period of time in which God has worked specifically either through a particular individual or a people to accomplish his will the word dispensation is a biblical word the apostle Paul used in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for example in verse 17 where he said a dispensation has been given unto me that is to preach the gospel and the apostle Paul was simply stressing the fact that I have the opportunity at this time during this period of time to be a bearer of the good news that God has given to me a dispensation a period of time to proclaim the gospel Now thus far you might recall during last week's sermon we looked at a period of time from creation to the exiting out of the Garden of Eden and that covers Genesis chapters 1, 2 and 3 and we made reference to the fact that this dispensation for a better word, this period of time can be well summed up by calling it the age of innocence where Adam and Eve were in innocence certainly not sinless they were given one mandate from God uh, not to eat of the forbidden fruit and as a result of their disobedience no longer uh, were they uh, in innocence Uh, sin came into the world and death upon all men because of Adam's sin. And then we read there at the end of Genesis chapter 3 that God drove out the man out of the garden of Eden. And as we continue to read through the book of Genesis, we note another period of time where uh, Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden of Eden and leads us to another pinnacle point of time, the flood. And this takes us from chapters 4 to chapter 8. Note there in chapter 4, please, of Genesis, verses 1 and 2, the Bible reads, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we read here of Cain and Abel, uh, sons to uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, In fact, if you go to chapter 5, verse number 4, the Bible teaches us that Adam and Eve had sons and daughters. It wasn't just Cain and Abel and Seth. There were uh, sons and daughters, the Bible teaches us. So, this period of time from exiting the Garden of Eden to the Universal Flood is known as the Age of Conscience. That is, man is very much aware of what pleases God and what doesn't please God. The Bible teaches us back in chapter 3, verse 7, and the eyes of them both were open no longer innocence prevail. They had a strong conscience. They had an understanding of what brings pleasure to God and what does not bring pleasure to God. And we see that illustrated in two offerings made to God here in Genesis chapter 4. The story of Cain and Abel is a good example in contrasting that which is acceptable to God and that which is not acceptable unto God. Note there in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, it reads, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an an offering unto the Lord, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But, verse 5, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. This is a beautiful picture of that which is acceptable to the Lord. We note here the offering, a blood offering made by Abel was acceptable to the Lord. But the offering made by Cain of his first fruits was not acceptable to the Lord. It wasn't a blood offering. There was no sacrifice. There was no shedding of blood. And we see within Abel's offering a beautiful picture of the acceptability of the death of Christ, that Jesus Christ became sin for us, he that knew no sin, that we might become righteous in Jesus Christ. Now, just like Abel did not deserve to die, The Bible teaches us that Cain in his fury and in his jealousy kills Abel who offered a a spotless offering, a sincere offering, a blood offering. We have a wonderful picture here that in Abel, Jesus Christ died for the sins of humanity. He didn't deserve to die. He was sinless, but he was willing to die and that's where Romans 5 8 uh, spells it out so clearly but God commendeth or demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us so we see that Abel's offering was pleasing to God the Father in the same way that the offering presented by Jesus Christ in the uh, shedding of his blood was acceptable to God the Father and provided forgiveness for all humanity, we have a wonderful picture of God's redemption, how the innocent died for the guilty. He that was without sin died for sinners such as as you and I so once again we have a beautiful picture of Christ's sacrificial uh, death on our behalf to come in Abel's uh, offering acceptable to God and in Cain slaying innocent Abel we also have a wonderful picture of the fact that Jesus Christ without sin was was Uh, crucified was killed not for his own sin he had no sin within him but for your sin and for my sin and we note here in Genesis chapter 4 verse number 9 the uh, first mention of murder or in the Bible Uh, Note there in Genesis 4, 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? For he said, I knew not. Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, Back in verse number 8, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. So God held Cain accountable for his actions. So here we note the first murder, killing of an innocent individual within the pages of Scripture, this period of time that is referred to by many as the age of conscience. Man is very much aware of that which pleases God and that which doesn't please God. Man continues to deteriorate as we read on from chapters 4, 5, and 6. And the Bible goes on to teach there in chapter 6, please, of Genesis. As man continues to deteriorate in his sin to the point where God said, it is enough, I'm going to destroy all living things and restart anew. And we see this in Genesis chapter 6, please, verses 5 to 7. Genesis 6, 5 to 7. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on, on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and creeping things and the fowls of the air for it repented me that I have made them go to verse 11 and 12 please and the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth oh we've come a long way since exiting the garden of eden but unfortunately in the wrong direction in the wrong direction and god is spelling out here in genesis chapter 6 i've had enough enough's enough i'm going to destroy all living creatures upon the face of the earth and the fowls of the air we're going to start afresh So we see within this a new dispensation, a new period of working where God chooses to work. And at this time, a man by the name of Noah was a bright light of righteousness. God commanded him to build an ark in order to preserve his family and to preserve of every living kind of land animals and the birds of the air. Note there in Genesis chapter 6, please, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then go down to verses 13 and 14. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth and make, make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch then we go down to verses 18 to 20 please and with thee i will establish my covenant so we see here a period of time where god is working through a man by the name of noah in genesis 1 to 3 Adam and Eve. In chapters four to chapter eight, the key figure is Noah. And God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Verse 18 goes on to read. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh. Two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark and keep them alive with thee and they shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee and keep them alive. And then we read there in verse 22, Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. So we see within this period of time that God holds man responsible for his actions, for his sin. We see that initially there in Genesis chapter 4 where God held Cain responsible for the blood of Abel and yet Cain had the audacity to say am I my brother's keeper and the answer is yes (laughs) yes of course he was and here we find overall that man continues to deteriorate in his sin his heart gets darkened more so by the day and God said it is enough I'm going to hold man accountable for his actions. I'm going to hold man responsible for his actions, for his sin. And as a result, we read of in chapter 7, we read of a universal flood. There's a universal flood that covers the face of the whole earth and every living creature upon the earth Outside of the ark, every fowl of the air outside the ark is drowned and killed. Note there in chapter 7, please, verses 17 and 18. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth. And the earth and the waters increased and bare up the ark. And it was lift up above the earth. Verse 18, and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth and the ark went upon the face of the waters. Verses 19 to 21, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. 15 cubits Upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. The Bible teaches us emphatically that there was a universal flood that water covered the face of all the earth that's what the plain teaching of scripture reveals to us and we as Bible believing Christians take the Bible literally at face value and we simply believe what the Bible teaches us that there was a universal flood And every living thing outside of the ark, the Bible teaches us, was covered and was drowned in water. But Noah and his family were saved within the ark. And this is a wonderful picture of our security in Jesus Christ. THAT WE ARE PRESERVED WITHIN THE ARK OF JESUS CHRIST BY RECEIVING JESUS CHRIST AS SAVIOR. MY FRIEND THIS MORNING IT'S APPOINTED unto MAN ONCE TO DIE AND THEN THE JUDGEMENT. JESUS CHRIST IS THE ARK OF SALVATION. IN HIS DEATH, BURIAL AND RESURRECTION HE OFFERS LIFE ETERNAL. And for those that are willing to repent of their sin and invite Jesus Christ to be Savior, God will save you from your sin and you will be held secure within the ark of Jesus Christ. Because, my friend, judgment is coming. Just like judgment came in the days of Noah, judgment is coming. Man is uh, constantly turning his back upon Almighty God. Uh, the wheels of God's judgment move slowly, but they move surely. My friend, judgment is coming. Man can blaspheme God. Man can ignore God, but there is a day of judgment coming. It will not be by uh, water. God promised that, but it will be by uh Fire, ultimately, judgment is coming, my friend, and there is only deliverance in the person of Jesus Christ, in the ark of Jesus Christ. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 teaches us who are kept by the power of God through faith under salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me ask you this morning, have you made that decision to receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior? Because He is the only ark of deliverance From judgment to come. All living things all living things were drowned across the face of the earth during this period of time. But Noah and his family were spared within the ark. A wonderful picture. Of our security in Jesus Christ that we are preserved within the ark of Jesus Christ by receiving him as personal Savior are you in the ark of God's salvation my friend judgment is coming the floodwaters of God's just judgment are only around the corner are you prepared Are you prepared? Prepare to meet thy God, said Amos of old. And I challenge you this morning, prepare to meet thy God, for judgment is coming. We go to Genesis chapter 8, please. Genesis chapter 8, note then verses 15 and 16. following the subsiding of the waters that covered the face of the earth. Verse 15 reads, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. But note then verses 20 to 22. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet saviour. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. And note verse twenty two While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So, here we have climate change, biblical climate change, that is the climate will change day in, day out. The climate will change. There'll be cold. There'll be heat. There'll be the extremity of summer. There'll be the extremity of winter. It's as simple as that. Who holds the climate in his hand? Not a bunch of cuckoo climate change activists. God does. God governs the heat. God governs the cold. God holds back the rain. God sends rain. Summer, winter, cold or heat, God is in control. And therefore we worship not the climate, we worship the God that holds the climate in the palm of his hands. And here we see Noah upon leaving the ark that he presents an offering unto God, an offering that's well-pleasing to God. The first thing that Noah does in leaving the ark with his family, he builds an altar and he worships God. He worships God. And this brings to a close this second period of time that takes us from leaving the Garden of Eden and we come to the end of a universal flood and takes us here to the end of Genesis chapter 9. And my friend, I'd like to leave you with the thought that God is the one that holds our salvation in the palm of his hand. And my friend, if you've yet to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour, The Bible teaches us there is only forgiveness in Christ. There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Just like there was only one means of salvation in Noah's day and it it was within the ark. My friend, there is only one means of salvation today. It's within Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ for judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Christians, judgment is coming. The Bible teaches us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't just build a boat. He spent every given opportunity in warning people. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But there is salvation available. It's within the ark. A preacher of righteousness did all that he could to warn people that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But there is salvation within the ark of God. And how sad that we read that only Noah and his wife and Noah's sons and their wives, only eight individuals, Was spared within the ark. How sad. How sad. But the opportunity was there. And my friend, I'd like to encourage you if you're not a Christian this morning, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. What a man sows, that shall he reap. Are you prepared to meet your Creator? And for those of us that are Christians, and those of us that have the security of being within the ark of God, Jesus Christ, are we like Noah of old, who not only devoted his time to obey God in building a physical ark, I dare say he probably spent more time declaring the fact that you need to get into the ark. Because therein lies salvation. Christian, We have before us an opportunity to share a message of hope with others. Let's seize the opportunity because judgment is coming. Oh, yes, God said, I will not destroy the world again by water. God made that promise. That God will destroy the world to come by fire. For judgment is coming. Prepare to meet thy God.